welcome. This is the Lady Leadership Podcast. Sam's goal is clear, helping as many women as she can meet their full potential in business and in life. Hi, this is Sam McIntyre, and in this season of the Lady Leadership Podcast, I'm going to be talking to you about how to get the most out of your career, whether you have your own business, whether you work in corporate, or whether you're just starting out, maybe you're finishing uni. So joining me, and I look forward to sharing all my tips and hints on how to fast track your career. everyone to the Lady Leadership Podcast. I'd like to welcome Wanda Tora Tavini to the show today. Now, Wanda's based in Massachusetts and she is what you would describe as a true epitome of an entrepreneur. Having a look at her bio, she's had many careers and um, now is got her own business, which is called Catchwords. We're going to get into that. Wanda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. That's so kind. She's had many careers, <laughs> a seasoned entrepreneurs, right? We just have many ideas and, and execute only a portion of them. And there's many more to the list. Oh, look, that's so true. I mean, I'm, I'm often thinking of other businesses that I'd love to have and things I'd love to do and, and all of that. And it, it sounds like you um, have certainly gone after what you want. So run, run me through, give me, give me the little bit of the story. Tell me about Wanda. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I have a doctor in pharmacy. Yeah. Um, so I actually was a, a what they call a clinical pharmacist um, in, in the States. I worked in critical care and emergency medicine. And um, but I always had I always had an interest in business. But honestly, once I got my doctorate, um, I didn't think that I would have the opportunity to go into the business world again. I figured, oh, my goodness, I'm kind of stuck in the hospital environment. Um, but I was always the person that had like the bright ideas of how we can do something differently. <laughs> and that's not always welcomed. Mm-mm. No, <laughs> that is not. Yeah, right? I know that's no. very well, Wanda. Often people just want to stay the same. They don't want to do anything different. Exactly. Yeah. They're like, oh, you shush with your little ideas. (laughs) (laughs) But so, so I had a unique opportunity after I got my doctorate um, to do a postdoctoral fellowship and a large company called Novartis Pharmaceuticals was actually interested in bringing on somebody with a healthcare professional background um, into their business and marketing uh, division for oncology, their cancer products. And, um, and it was this like big break, like for me to actually be a healthcare professional, but like dip into the business world was like, woo. And they accepted me as part of that postdoctoral fellowship. And I was really lucky. I had the opportunity to learn from really, really experienced marketers because in the pharmaceutical world, in order for you to do any marketing or education for um, specialty products like uh, transplant medication or cancer medication, you have to have a lot of experience in general. So I'm this 20 something year old that that comes in and gets this amazing opportunity to learn business from people that were in, in business 10 plus years at that time. And, and so it was fantastic because they, they taught me a lot. I was a super sponge and I realized I loved this, 
the business world of things. And once again, I had all these bright ideas <laughs> and um, they were wonderful uh, to me. They always um literally every two years I had a new job or a, a new uh, product I was launching and such. And then finally I realized there were way too many ideas in my head and um, I would never be able to execute them and deliver them to the world if I stayed within that pharmaceutical company. And it was difficult because they had actually been grooming me to be an executive. And yeah. um, as a woman, I looked at the high level executives and I realized that they were traveling a lot and whenever we did have events, um, when they were interacting with their, with their children, I didn't I didn't feel like they had the the relationships with their children that I would desire to have. Right. And yep. I said, I'm like, I don't think I, I want that. I don't think I want to be away from home so so long. And at that point, I I wasn't married. I wasn't even uh engaged, but I knew that I, I wanted a better or different life for, for me when I did have that family. So yeah. between that desire and, you know, and having, um, having all these ideas in my head, that's when I started my business in 2005 with the, with the desire to incubate innovative ideas and actually transform them into sustainable businesses. And, and so um, did, did you, did you kind of, you know, resign from the, the current job and throw yourself all in or was it sort of like a stage process or had you had you been planning for like a transition? Mm, that's an excellent question because what I had to just dive <laughs> off yeah, the cliff yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. because basically if I, as an inventor, so a lot of my ideas were things that I could possibly uh, be proprietary, whether they were proprietary systems or actually like patentable items and, and, and such. And so um, I w would not be able to do that while I was working for this company because they would technically have potential ownership of it. Yeah. 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 So I had to keep it all in my, in my head and, um, and officially wrap it up. And my accountant, I remember my accountant saying, are you sure you want to do this? Because I, I was a very comfortable six figure salary, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah. And yeah. he's, th he's thinking, why would you want to leave that? And I said, I, I don't know. I just feel like I have something more to, to, to give. And did you and think so it that, yeah. And I've heard other people kind of talk about this and did you think to yourself, well, if this doesn't work out, I can just get another job again. Oh, so in the beginning, yes. And yeah. actually even, even recently, like when, when I take certain, uh, certain risks with the business and now I discuss it with my husband and he says, you know, you ha have to realize that if it doesn't work out, you can get paid probably a quarter of a million dollars a year to be a pharmaceutical executive again. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, it make, it gives me a rash. Yeah. And you would think like, oh, it, it, I mean, it's comforting in the sense that, okay, uh, you know, I, I won't lose my ability to, to make a living, but I'm, I just, the idea of, of, of doing that just really makes me ill. <laughs> yeah. You just, yeah. Because you've, you've created a, a way of working and you've created a flexibility and you've got your own company and you enjoy it. And so why would you want to go back, say, to mm -hmm. what you were doing? Yeah. And you've, yeah, you've I mean, grown, you you've create, moved you know, on. Exactly. You get to create um, your own 
lifestyle that integrates work. Like for us, um, you know, pre-COVID <laughs> traveling, well, traveling is still very important for yeah. us, um, but it's been a little bit difficult. Um, so we've been able to integrate working from Italy for six weeks or or taking extended time off here and there or doing our strategic planning on a cruise ship, you know, th- things like that, that, that uh, we may not have been able to do. And definitely if I'm an employee, I would not be able to drive that. Now, hopefully I'd find a company that may have those things that I'd be able to do, but um, it's different when you've been in the driver's seat for a while and now um, you realize all the benefits of even being able to, I have two small children and being able to, to choose to work from home so that I can interact with, with them as well. Yeah. Just a lot of different things. So yeah. I'm not completely against it, but in oddly, in my view, it, it would be considered a failure to go back to a $250,000 job a year, <laughs> a year job, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. And look, I think, you know, did you also sort of look at the top tiers of those companies and think, I mean, were there many women in those companies? Did they have a good mix of men and women or was it male dominated? I'm so. So I will say it, it, it was definitely male dominated yeah. and I, I made my judgments on what my future life would look like based on the women that were in those um, higher level positions. But in retrospect, I um, I feel like now I, I, I could give a little bit more leniency to, to those women because they were trying to succeed in a very male dominated world, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, nowadays, it, it, in reality, if I were an executive of the of the level that I, I should be, if I would have stayed, right? Yeah. Um, I'm sure my my balance with family, my integration of family time, all of that would be a lot different than the women that I had experienced as examples at that point. I think they really sacrificed a lot to pave the way, and it it took me time to to appreciate that because. Um, because we, I, I wasn't able to to dress in a very feminine way. Um, I, you know, I, I I had women say, "Oh, don't don't, don't wear this or that," uh, and yeah. I was a lot younger than the average yeah. person that was that was there. So it was very very difficult and very restricting um, for me, and um, and that was that was uncomfortable. But when I look at how things have evolved today, th- thank goodness, um, those same women are now trailblazers. But they, it took a lot. It took a lot of of sacrifice. Um, on how they live their lives and how they integrated with their families to be able to uh, create better work environments for the women today. So that's yeah. something that I, I, I believe I, I grew to understand, but back then I was like, I don't want to be like that, you know? Yeah. And look, I think, you know, like you said about, you know, don't wear this or don't wear that. And um, you know, it's kind of, I, I've sometimes felt, you know, I've worked in a lot of corporate roles and been in the C-suite as a CIO for the last 10 years and felt that, um, you know, often you're kind of constraining your personality in a way or, you know, you're you you know you're, um, you're sticking to the company line or do you know what I mean? Don't kind of just, just kind of keep, don't stand out too much. Do you know what I mean? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I have a theater background. And so I'm very passionate in how I communicate myself. And and that was <laughs> that was kind of a little uncomfortable for, for some people. And then add add that and ideas coming yeah. from a, a girl. Oh, that girl with ideas and passion. <laughs> She's just so pesky. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She's difficult. You know. I've been told I'm difficult to manage. Yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> Egg, exactly. Exactly. Because you so want to do too you, much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that was definitely a very constraining environment. And I desired to create my own culture, create my own lifestyle and, and also deliver um, some of those ideas that I had just kind of percolating in my head and like burning a hole through my brain. <laughs> tell, tell me about the evolution of that then. Tell me where's that, where mm. has that got to? And yeah. So Thank you um, for asking. I mean, it's in the beginning, um, I had too many ideas. So that's one major kind of lesson that I like to share. And I tried to execute too many of the ideas and too, too many of the business concepts all at the same time, right? right yeah. And now as, ex- as experienced entrepreneurs, we know like, <laughs> there's no way. But, um, but also 15 years ago, I didn't have access to any mentors in this area. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm a high performing employee that goes out and expects to be a high performing entrepreneur with literally no idea that it's a completely different world. Nobody's throwing out my garbage, (laughs) you know, there's no it, it department when the, when the computer breaks down, right. All of these things that, that you, you learn rather quickly. Um, and I think it is more difficult for somebody that comes from a high level corporate job, right? Because you're, you're used to a certain level of, of infrastructure yeah. um, and, and being an entrepreneur, there's no infrastructure <laughs> until you know, right. you've right? got to, you've got to create it. And I mean, that's such a good insight for anyone, I think. And um, I know 100% what you're talking about. So, you know, having led big IT teams, I've got people to do things, you know, and um and as much as I've got a background in IT, my days of doing stuff, but, you know, being on the tools is a long time ago. And so, yeah, you, having to do everything yourself um, uh-huh. you know, be, because you also don't want to put your money into things that you can think you can do yourself as well. And, um, oh. and so, yes. you know, Google, Google and YouTube and become your best friends really for a while there. <laughs> Yes, for a while. And then there's the time period, I would say, where um, you finally realize that, sure, you're smart enough to figure it out, but there are people that are experts in it. And it's time for you to stay in your lane and, um, and really concentrate on your unique brilliance, you know, so, so that's, you know, without getting into particular products that I, I, products and services that I created um, over time, that was a struggle doing too many things. And then also feeling like, oh, I can figure this out and losing precious time, figuring Mm. things out myself and not tapping into experts. Right. So that's something that I always um, tell folks that I mentor as well to say, one of the big things is it, it took me 10 years to find coaching, the concept of a business coach. And that was way, way too long. And once I found a business coach and I found community, then I realized that there were a lot of things that I was experiencing. I I wasn't alone and that there were solutions to, and I I didn't have to figure it out myself. Um, So, so so, true. So true. I couldn't agree with you more on that. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's too long. 
Yeah. The opportunity, you know, you can ask, you know, I sometimes talk about it's good to have one-on-one relationships with people. It's good to have relationships with, say, a group of people. It's good to ask friends that you, that have a, you know, a a skill set or something. And then sometimes it's good to ask a professional as well. Do you know what I mean? Take all those opinions. Exactly. Decide how you want to go forward for sure. Yeah. And in the entrepreneurial world, it's actually very difficult I find um, in retrospect to go outside of other entrepreneurs because the opinions that are being provided by your friends and your loved ones are all because they want to protect you. Right. Yeah, right. So yeah. They, their experience base is very different. Their perspective is very different. So they're going to be um, more risk averse. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to keep you in one box that they know they feel comfortable seeing you in. And um, and it may not be in a mean way, but but they may keep you most definitely will probably keep you from going out of that comfort zone and growing uh, because they love you. And so it's, it's difficult. And, 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 you know, asking for it, um, you know, some it advice, for example, from somebody that works from corporate is very different. Like they're working with different systems and applications and, and such. They, it's, they've it's, just got they've got more money, you know. Big corps have got more money. I follow a lady who talks about, and this will make you laugh. She's actually a barrel racer, um, uh, a, like a rodeo barrel racer. So I've got horses, <laughs> and she's incredible. Uh, her name's Fallon Taylor. She's a world champion. She talks about like your ceiling, and so it's kind of like bringing your ceiling back to your base. And so you're only thinking to here. And then she talks about, well, if you see someone else whose ceiling is even higher, it's like, oh, my God, I didn't realise there's another floor. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. So your point about family, you know, some their ceiling and their base is like not maybe where yours is. And so, and she was like, I, you know, I'm a world champion. I, she's got a business like a Western where it's called ranch dressing. Um, and, you know, she said she interviewed with someone and she went to their home for the interview and she's like, oh my God, I, you know, my ceilings just shifted. Like, you know, yes. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's so important um, for you to continuously, even when you find these uh, coaching environments and these uh, com- uh, communities within entrepreneurship to keep shifting to the next level, because sometimes I would find myself being the most experienced one in the group. And then yeah. at that point, it's like, I love, and I love helping people. That's right. But at that point, I felt like I wasn't pushing to my limit. I want to go to those meetings and feel like, oh my gosh, I have to catch up, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I shouldn't. Yeah. Why am I in this room? Yeah. Uh, exactly. Smarter than me. Yeah, absolutely. And that those are the rooms that I like, I like to be in. So, yeah. um, um, so I'm I, I'm finally coming into into my own in that and kind of recognizing that and it's it's you know an incredible opportunity uh, to grow. But you know in the in the entrepreneurial world, basically the first ten years I was by myself. Um, I had a several software um, that I had created for specific solutions within the pharmaceutical industry and marketing and communication, and then I ran a consulting firm. Um, yeah. for the pharmaceutical industry as well. So my my focus was really corporate, corporate, corporate. And yeah. I was at this very large um, medical conference, 50,000 attendees. It was an international conference um, at McCormick Place in Chicago. So if anybody had ever has ever been there, it's huge, like the Javits Center in New York City. Yeah. Um, 
But basically, at the end of this conference, they were collecting all of the brochures, paper, articles and such that um, were not picked up at, at the conference. And they were collecting them in the middle of the room. And Samantha, it was literally a human climbable mountain oh, of, of yeah. paper. Yeah. And I'm not typically I, I'm eco aware, I would say, but I'm not uh, what, what they would say, crunchy and really, really <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. into it. But when I looked at it, it was very disturbing. And um, and I knew in my nerdy brain, because I call myself the nerdy girl entrepreneur, I was like, problem must be solved. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something's yeah. got to give. And and so I, I thought about it. Uh, um, I actually asked the gentleman that was backing up a full size dump truck into the conference center backing it up to collect all of this. And I said, is this a recycling initiative? He said, no, it's just cheaper for the companies for us to throw it out than for us to ship it back to the warehouse. And that was like, whoa, okay. I, as a pharmaceutical marketer, I spent tens of thousands of of dollars, if not millions of dollars in some cases, printing materials. So I realized I spent all this money and I didn't even know if somebody even picked it up and read it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, right? yeah. And then as attendees, we've all been in the situation where we've picked up all those brochures, but they're too inconvenient. So we wind up throwing them out, even if we were actually interested in the content. Yeah. So yeah. that day. I've, I've often said, no, nah, I don't want the, you know, backpack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I will fill the backpack. right? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I just don't need another thing that I'm going to drag home and then in a month's time throw in the bin. Basically. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So so there that very day it was June of 2007. Um, I said there must be a solution to this, an eco friendly way to distribute these pieces of information. And um, I called it eco files. Uh-huh. I didn't know what eco files was going to be. It took me two years to evaluate different technology methods, right? Was it going to be an application? Was it going to be a QR code, near field technology, texting, all of these things. And we settled. And in 2009, we launched EcoFiles, which was a texting platform that allowed people to just text because we we decided texting was easy. It was ubiquitous. Every phone had it, whether you had an old clamshell phone or a smartphone, you could do it in the US and internationally. And so that's why we, we settled on that technology. So my mission was to go to these large companies and say, you could be eco-friendly and your attendees will love it because they won't have to carry paper. Um, They could text. And in 2009, the repeat response was, but only teenagers text. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've got to think back to 2009. I know, right? (laughs) They were like, only children and teenagers text adult don't text. So I guess maybe if we're doing something like for a kid's conference or something, and I'm like, no, you know, children will text their parents and their parents will text the grandparents and like, everybody's going to be texting. So children are growing up, they're going to get older. Yeah, exactly. We're going to change. Yeah. We still call each other because that's what we grew up doing. Yeah. Yep. 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 So I basically, my dream was crushed. Um, all the money that I had, luckily my consulting firm was, was doing pretty decently. And I would, I would kind of parse away some of our profits to build the the software um, or to architect it. I I'm not a programmer myself. Um, And then, uh, and then nobody, nobody wanted to do it. So I had to put it on the digital shelf and then fast forward (laughs) to 2011 where I'm speaking uh, more. Now my consulting business is growing a little bit more. I'm speaking in front of live audiences and, um, 
or actually, pardon, I'm going to conferences where I have the opportunity to speak in front of live audiences. And when I ask about it, um, they say, sure, you can be on stage with the big guys, you know, to, but you have to pay $10,000 for the opportunity yeah. to speak. Yeah. And that shocked me. I had to pay $10,000 to speak. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but that that's what was required. And so, um, so that's when I dusted off my technology and I said, I wonder if I, um, if I allow my, my audience to text for my slides, because we've all been in the situation where people are taking pictures of the slides, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, wait, wait, they can't write fast enough. Right. And so I said, well, if my slides, cause it's all educational, these aren't sales pitches, these are educational sessions. Right. Yeah. So if I can prove my, my acumen, my expertise, and um, I have really good quality slides, then the people that text for my slides will probably be the ones that are experiencing that challenge within their organization. And the first time I did it, 25% of my audience texted. Oh, wow. And that was amazing. I mean, think about about getting the the email contact information of twenty five percent, but but not only the email contact information, but they are qualifying themselves. Yeah. Right. As yeah. actually interested, it wasn't like a business card because yeah. you know when somebody gives you a business card, it it doesn't necessarily mean they're interested in your business, right? No, you've got you've got their digital data. Yeah. And they yeah, yeah. said, yeah, I would like your slides, basically. Yes. So mm. that was really in- incredible for me. And so I said, OK, I'm going to do this again. And because I'm nerdy and analytical, I'm like, you know, what else can I change? What are the- and um, and I realized that with really good strategy and figuring out how how is it that I visually present it? How is it that I vocally present it? When in the presentation should I present it? Um, should I tweak my slides? If it's just my slides, would it be? one response rate if it was my slides plus a guide that I don't offer anywhere else. Uh, right? This yeah. is before before lead magnets, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I got to the point where every time I spoke, 76% of my audience texted for my slides. Wow. And that transformed my business. I was like, I was overwhelmed with, with leads because these audiences would be around 300 people. So I would have well over 200 people every single time be identified as qualified leads. Um, I only had to speak twice a year now because they were really super targeted opportunities. Um, And I really, and I I brought my company to $4.2 million in revenue and then I realized I don't want to do the consulting work anymore. Yeah. I want to help other entrepreneurs do, do, do this. this magic. And that was, a, that was actually what I was, what I was thinking. Were you still doing, you know, the, the consulting? So you're still selling the consulting. You're not selling this new, you know. I, nope. I literally used this very expensive software this time was on the shelf just for myself. I'm like, well, well, if nobody loves it, I'm going to love it. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 And, but what was really cool is that guess who was in the audience? Adults that were texting. <laughs> right? well, people would, people had started to text by that point too. So. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it allowed me, it allowed me to show that, that, um, and these were conservative uh, regulatory um, executives, yeah, you know, so yeah. they, they weren't like techie people, right. They were yeah. regulatory executives in the pharmaceutical world. Um, so it showed that the market was, was ready. Um, and it also showed that strategy and content 
would actually influence those response rates. It wasn't just the technology Mm. that good strategy allows you to wield that technology. And that's something I'm sure you appreciate. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you weren't doing a great presentation, people would not be asking you for the slides. Exactly. 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 So, um, so, it took me because I, because we did so well in that consulting world. It took me a couple of years to actually pivot away. But in my heart, I knew that this this it was transformative for me. Um, I I I had a bigger team. I had a bigger office. Um, I was able to um, invest a hundred thousand dollars into my own personal fertility journey, which right. was. Yep critical. I mean, I, I, I got married at age 40. So I, I, I had a lot of difficulty having, having my children. I wouldn't have been able to do that with all that. And I thought, wow, if I could use this technology to deliver this sort of impact for other people, like that's, that's my sweet spot. All of a sudden that started feeling um, right. And, and so at first I said, well, you know, I've been selling to corporate. So of course I'll, I'll sell to corporate first because they're going to have deeper pockets. Um, and I and I did that for for a little while while I was doing my pivot, but I realized that I needed to cut that. So this was another another time where I literally just dove off the cliff again because it was very difficult for me to stop selling to large corporations. But when I was trying to run part of my division selling to corporate and part of it selling to entrepreneurs, um, there was a brain clash because the way you sell to entrepreneurs is very different than the way you sell to corporate. Yeah. And so I found that I wasn't doing either very well. Like I, I really needed to immerse myself in my ideal prospect and what their world was, was like. And, um, and so in that process, I changed Ecofiles. So our technology platform is called Ecofiles. But when people are speaking in front of audiences, um, we're not thinking about being eco-friendly, right? Yeah. So that's where I came up with the word catch, K-E-T-C-H, or catch words, yeah. where this is an opportunity to use these catch words to, um, to engage with your anonymous fans, right? Those people... Yeah. That when you're speaking live, you can see like the twinkle in their eye. You see them writing. You're you're thinking, whoa, I'm going to have some good conversation afterwards. And then nobody. And then they're too shy and they leave the auditorium and they don't speak or they see that you've got five other people around you. And so they think, oh, okay, no. And it never happens. Do you know what I mean? It never happens. And it's actually there's a psychological law called the law of diminishing intent, which says the longer we wait to do something, the lower the probability it is that we're going to do it. So even though they intend to email you or check you out on LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever it is, they don't do it. And so you lose that anonymous fan. And that is a potential client. Mm. And um, so that is, that was my whole thing. I'm like, okay, I'm going to introduce catchwords um, to the entrepreneurial world, to experts who love to share, uh, share their, their message. And, and we were talking earlier about it, what it, what it looks like, but I'm going to show, show yeah. it here. Yeah. So this is how I pivoted into the digital world because uh, primarily guess when I launched in March of 2020 <laughs> and, and I was talking about speaking in front of live audiences and it flopped. Yeah. So yeah. I, I was devastated and I thought, okay, Wanda pivot, pivot, pivot. It's not just live audiences. It just so happened to be, you know, where my focus was at the time, yeah. but now 
tons of people were sharing their messages on in virtual summits in a in yep. podcasts, TV, you know, radio, and there's still that phenomenon of of the anonymous fan. So, so in as part of our program, we 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 don't only create the technology. We're about the strategy, right? Because I I was able to prove that strategy made the difference in response rates. Yeah. And so we create these backgrounds for for those of you that are watching the video, because I know some of you may be just listening to audio. But I have a digital background behind me. And then I could flip on this this catchword and it says text leads to 411321. What I did is I created this guide on how to transform your talk into a lead generating machine. It's like the foundational strategies of yeah. how every one of your appearances really should be thought of strategically so that you can optimize them. So yeah. I created this guide. And so the audience, if you're in the US, you could text leads, L E A D S, to 411321. If yeah. you're outside of the US, you could text leads to one nine oh nine seven four one one three two one that's one nine oh nine seven four one one three two one and you text leads as the message and it'll ask for your email address and then instantaneously you get a text saying hey check your email you get a beautiful html email a designed email and then you get an attachment yeah which is that little um the little paper clip right which is yeah. different um, so we don't have it as a link within the email. It's actually delivered as an attachment and that's proprietary to us. Right. Um, but from a tech perspective, once again, you could appreciate, um, we looked at it differently and we said, well, when something's delivered with the paperclip, it, it holds a greater priority in a person's mind. Gotcha. Right. Yep. Like you can actually see, Ooh, there's something there I, I yeah. need to access. Yeah. And so we chose to deliver it in that way. And as a result, basically combining when we combine the strategy with the, the uniqueness of the technology on average, our emails, our clients' emails are opened 150%, which means Anybody who subscribes, the average is 1.5 times that they open up that email. Wow. Yeah, it's, which is very large. So anyone in the marketing, digital marketing, you know, who knows a thing or two about conversion rates, that's huge. It's huge, yeah. yeah. And um, and it's just super exciting to be able to now um, help other people use catchwords. And we basically look at, at folks that we look to support folks that love to they love to share their expertise, but they're they're service minded. They're really impact driven, right? Because yeah. um, the purpose of it is, let's say, if I was giving a talk on optimizing your uh, virtual appearances, right? As I'm giving the educational session, you never have enough time to, yeah, to, to yeah, teach yeah. them everything, right? Yeah. So the concept of this is it doesn't have a salesy feel. It has a, I wish I had enough time, but in this short period, I can't teach you everything. So if you are interested in learning about how to yeah. transfer your talk into a lead gen machine, then text leads to whatever the, the mm -hmm. number is, right? One, one, nine, oh, nine, seven, four, one, one, three, two, one. But the point is that you, you should be coming from, from, um, a position of wanting to be of service to your audience. And that's how you get good, good response rates. Absolutely. That's right. I mean, it's got to, you know, people have got to feel as though they're going to learn something or you, it's going to, you're going to help them or, you know, that type of thing. So for sure. Yeah. 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 Well, wow. I, 
Wonder? Yeah, it's it's exciting stuff, and and it um it took us the the year to uh, of of twenty twenty. Um, I mean, I also had a, a baby <laughs> during all of that. Um, just a, just so, a couple know, just, of other things on. <laughs> just a minor thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we finally relaunched it towards the end of the year to include these digital packages. So when when our clients sign up for catchwords, they not only get the technology, um, and we build the technology for them because I came from a corporate background. Yeah. So I, I'm used to the agency approach and I'm like, you know what? I, I want to give that to my fellow entrepreneurs, not no longer tinkering. Like yeah. you stay in your zone of genius and we'll make everything fabulous for you. So, so we do all the tech setup. We do the design work. Like they write up their, their, their PDF, of course, but we yeah. design the PDF for them, the HTML, everything. And, um, and and basically, so, for yeah, the- like like you said, a kind of full agency type um, piece. Yeah. 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 Service. And and so that's finally like that long crazy journey. And and of course, I have five bazillion ideas in my brain. I was I was just going to say, what's the vision for the business then, Wanda? Where do you see yeah. it going in the next couple of years? So my thought is is any expert this this should be the next gold standard call to action, right? Yeah, just right. as, just as people currently may say, this is my LinkedIn, my Instagram, whatever it, it should be standard that everybody has a catchword. So my yeah. vision is that in any interview situation, the host will always say, so would you like to share your catchword? Right. And that would be just standard. Um, and that I'm, I'm able to help people really refine the way they show up so that they are, um, they are service minded because inherently in our strategy process, we we kind of train our our clients to be in that service minded thought process to really understand the language that their ideal prospect is using. Um, we go through a whole process to figure out what it is that that attachment should be. I call it a value bomb yeah. to make sure that it's really integrated and um and so within the next year, I hope we have a large amount of what I call ambassadors, people that are really doing it well yeah. so that we can kind of train the market of, of, of what needs to be. But um, I've had interest in using catchwords in in TV shows. I had some initial discussions with Dr. Oz, which I was really excited oh, wow. about. Yeah. 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 Because as a healthcare professional, I said, Dr. Oz, you have millions of people that you're educating and you send them to a website for them to get lost for 15 yeah. minutes. And yeah, yeah. Beautiful. And they yeah. never get to the resource, right? So you're teaching them about probiotics. They could just text a particular code mm-hmm. to get, you know, the, that the probiotics guide. Yeah. 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 And, and for him, it could be sponsored, right? He could be making ad money off of it. He doesn't even have to pay for it out of, out of pocket. Um, so I'm just waiting for the, so I spoke to him directly about it. And, but then yeah. of course his people are the ones that have to make the decision. Right, and okay. so now, uh, now I'm in the process of trying to figure out how to find his people and, <laughs> yeah. and do the right thing. But, but, you know, that, that's my vision is that, you know, there, there should be catch words on outdoor billboards. There yeah. should be catch words in, in commercials, especially in the pharmaceutical world where, where you should be educating people about these disease states. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's, in, look, I, yeah, I was at a, I was at, I was in Vegas. I was saying earlier, I was in Vegas, not last year, the year before and um, saw Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk present. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. 
And he yes. was like, text is big, you know, text is going to be bigger than what it is now because oh. it's underrated now. It's like not, yeah, not so being. So you to- just gave me goosies because um, when he said that, he said that like two years ago. Yeah. And um, he's like, text is the next big thing. And I'm like, I've been freaking doing this since 2009. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. Yeah. I was just way too far. So it, I must admit, I was very frustrated. I was like, this isn't a new freaking thing. People mm. have been texting mm. forever. Um, I mean, a little, a little history or trivia with texting. I mean, texting really became more streamlined um, during an American show called American Idol. Yeah. Right, where you could text to vote. Yes, yes, yes. And, that was a transformative time period for texting because yeah. it made it consumer based. And that was really a big push in actually having like my mom text. Right. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I want, I want to text for the winner. So, so, I mean, that was like a big thing, but that was the transition. And so to, to have Gary V say that I was, I was a little frustrated. Um, but I'm glad that he spoke about it because it did, you know, having somebody like Gary Vee say that it's the next thing allowed people to to be more open to to utilizing it. Um, The important thing for people to understand is texting is a platform that you could use in different ways. You could text to vote. You could text to donate. You could, you know text to text. You could text for content, which is what we do. Um, Gary V's company that he invested in community, that's really a a text to text sort of environment where you could text, you know, a celebrity and you get the feeling that they're texting you personally, but they're really just doing it through a computer. Right. Um, So that's, that's, that's his thing, but his thing doesn't do what my thing does and, and, and vice yeah. versa. Yeah. You know? No, I just meant the kind of the full sort of platform from a marketing perspective and that it's, all of a sudden it's underutilized at the moment that I think marketeers feel that it's maybe too personalized. And so they haven't really, you know, everyone's kind of done email to death and, you know, but we haven't seen that level of, I suppose, mm-hmm. level of maturity with text potentially. Absolutely. But there's a danger zone with texting because obviously we have we have overwhelmed people's um, email inboxes with with spam email. Right. And um, the the regulations around texting are much more strict. Yeah. So um, this is another reason why we actually for me, I like to maintain the agency's level support and interaction because I can protect my clients from overdoing it. And yeah, pissing off yeah. their, yeah, that's their right. yeah. subscribers, right? Yeah. Um, like no we one, have a let. Yeah, no one wants to get a bunch of texts from you know. No, no, yeah. and our our unsubscribe rate is less than two percent because we're very much about respecting that um, that that platform because it is so personal, but for the online platforms where you can go on and get your own like keyword and, and, and that sort of thing that gets people into trouble because they spam people a lot. And, and it, it winds up being really bad for the industry as a whole. Um, yes, they do get cut off, but by that point they've already kind of damaged people from wanting to text and feeling like what, I'm, what's going to happen, you know, wh- when I do that. So hopefully we'll be able to, to just, 
control ourselves a little bit better before it becomes too, too much of a, a yeah. spamming opportunity. And and yeah. the industry is changing that as well. A lot of the, um, the software that where you can just go online and you can share like one number, like this four, one, one, three, two, one is a short code. Yeah. So it's, it's country based. And, um, but there are services that you can go online and just reserve your own keyword on a shared short code. Right. Um, yeah. And those are actually going to be uh, removed in the next couple of months in the U.S. because too many people abused it. And if one person abuses it, then it actually shuts down the entire short code. Yeah, right. Yeah. So now you have all these other clients that have been affected because one person just, Went you know, down. Yeah, exactly. So we we don't allow that. Everything goes goes uh, through us. But it's it's a complicated uh, process. But I, I, I do think it's it's a great way to serve people effectively if you use it right. Yeah. Wanda, thank you so much for your time today. I've really loved hearing the evolution of your business and your energy. Um, just so inspiring. <laughs> and um, I'm I'm just, I hope in a couple of years' time I can go, well, I interviewed her at the start of that. <laughs> so- <laughs> That's right. When you're asking people, so do you have a catch word to share? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much. Now, where can people, where's the best place for people to get in touch with you directly? Well, I, I would say go to catchwords.com first of all, to, to, to learn. And then you can also always look me up on Facebook. I love people messaging me and and sharing their ideas as well. So Wanda Toro Torini, T-O-R-O-T-U-R-I-N-I. And I'd be happy to, to get your message and hear about your dream because I'm all about uh, supporting other people that have those, those quirky, innovative ideas. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Wanda. Thank you very much. Have a great one. I appreciate you having me here. Ta-da.